Welcome to the UCLA Anderson Fully Employed MBA Program Drive Time Podcast. My name is Dylan Stafford. I'm your host this week. And with me, calling in live from Austin, Texas, from one of the highest points in Austin. He's got a view of the University of Texas, the Texas Capitol, and the, and the football stadium there. With me this week is Doug Longo, who is a FEMBA 2014 graduate and is uh, is a person that I loved while he was here, and I get to continue to relate to even after he's graduated because he was he was a leader while he was here, and he continues to be of service to the school as a as a continuing leadership role in our alumni board. He is uh, he's a really neat guy. You're going to get to hear all about his life. He's a veteran. He was in the Marine Corps before he went to college, and now he is a finance guy who has had a really interesting career in finance that that culminated with coming to earn his FEMBA degree and, and creating the current job he has, which is a fantastic job at Dimensional, which is a huge friend of Anderson, where he is now in his post-FEMBA reality, a fixed income investment strategist. So um, thank you guys for listening this week, and welcome, Doug. Thanks for being on the call. Hey, Dylan. Good afternoon on a nice Friday afternoon at 4.30 here in Austin, Texas. How are you? Well, I am great. Um it was fun. I was I was on campus for the alumni board meeting two or three Saturdays ago, and um, I don't know how many FEMBA council presidents we had. Probably four or five people all together. Yeah. Yep. And we we're uh, all there, just representing, and um, and it was just fun to get to catch up. And and uh, I said, hey, let's do it. Let's do a podcast over the phone. And of course, Doug is game for anything. So I'm I'm glad we get to connect. Of course, it's always good to uh, to talk to you and hang out, Dylan. So um, let's let's tell some people your your backstory because uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of veterans. We've doubled and tripled the number of veterans over the last five years in FEMBA. We're very proud of that. That's a wonderful thing. Typically, people who come to FEMBA go the more ROTC officer, and then they either are getting an MBA while they're in the military or they decommission out. Um, but your military experience was kind of unique, so let's let's start with telling people a little bit about about that part of your life. Yes, yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. I actually enlisted in the Marine Corps the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I think everyone I know thought I was probably pretty crazy at the time. And uh, so there are no folks in my family who are Marine Corps veterans, so it's a totally new thing. And um, it was something I always wanted to do. And I know that uh, I wanted to serve my country and I had the ability to do it physically and mentally. So uh, I listed in the Marine Corps and um, had to think about that my entire senior year of high school as I progressed through the year. Uh, was very excited and uh, graduated high school and shipped off in August to the Marine Corps boot camp, Paris Island. So very interesting experience for me and certainly helped me throughout my life and um, helped get me to where I am today in terms of uh, professionally and just you know the person that I think that I am. We've doubled and tripled the number of either active duty or veteran status FEMBAs from just where we were five or six, seven years ago. Um, we've had 20 to 20 plus entering students with, with a military pedigree. Um, but typically they, they do the ROTC to officer route and, you know, while they're in college and then they're either decommissioning out of the military or they're, or they're preparing for maybe a lifetime career. 
But you, you had a different military experience. Um, you were an enlisted person in the Marines, and you became one of the youngest sergeants in Marine Corps history. Uh, that's a pretty amazing story. Tell people a little bit about how that happened in your life. Yeah, so I was the, um, the Doogie Hauser of the Marine Corps at 20 years old. <laughs> the um, Doogie Hauser of the Marine Corps. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was 20 years old and, and uh, basically leading Marines, which is kind of unusual when I look at folks nowadays who are 20. But it was a great experience for me. So I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps between my junior and senior year of high school. It was um, you know, something that I kind of wanted to always do for a long time. I was lucky enough to have a lot of exposure to the Marine Corps through a very close friend of mine's family uh, as I was growing up, and I really appreciated the things that they did for our country. And I could tell they were a little bit different in terms of the way they carried themselves. So that was something I wanted to be a part of. I think a lot of folks thought I was uh, I was crazy for enlisting in the Marine Corps. I had the opportunity to go to a lot of different colleges to play lacrosse and decided to postpone that in my life and um, spent four years on active duty, deployed, uh, Little uh, three times actually, so got to travel around the world. Spent a lot of time in the Middle East, Asia, and, and some time in Africa, and gained a lot of uh, experience in very uh, interesting situations that have helped me throughout my career uh, as I progressed through undergrad, Wall Street, business school, and, and now here where I am today. Well, you know, thank you for your service. I mean, for our listeners, you also earned the Navy Achievement Medal. Um, right. Yeah, I, that's... yeah. I've been uh, I've been a lucky person, um, not just in the Marine Corps, but I think throughout my life, where I've had really good mentors and folks to look up to, and, and that was the case in high school, where I had some really good mentors that that helped me in high school, and then in the Marine Corps, I had a lot of good mentors that um, really. Were, were a good example of how I should have behaved and acted as a Marine. And all I had, all I had to do was really just mirror them. And um, a Navy Achievement Medal was, was one of the results of that. Well, tell us, you know, because it's kind of, it's still, to me, amazing that then you, you chose, you know, to go to college afterwards, but maybe you, you knew yeah. that already since you said you kind of postponed your decision. But help people understand... You know, how did you choose finance? Was that more mentorship, or how, how did you get into that field? And and then take us forward after your after your military service completed. So the interesting thing is when I went to well before I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I had been a, a sergeant for I guess two years then, which is pretty senior in the Marine Corps. And I think a lot of folks in the Marine Corps thought by default that I would actually reenlist. And uh, I did consider that. And what winds up happening in the Marine Corps is that if you want to re-enlist, it's just not an automatic thing. There are a certain amount of Marines that they allow to re-enlist every year based on your rank and your seniority and what it is that you do in the Marine Corps. And uh, so you have to apply for what's called a boat space. In my year, they were only allowing 11 Marines to re-enlist for what it was that I did in my rank. And... uh, I went through the reenlistment process and was, was granted um, a position, and I was sitting in the career counselor's office at Camp Pendleton, and I was in the waiting room to go in and sign my reenlistment package for another four years of active duty. And while I was doing that, there was another Marine who was 
waiting in the waiting room to sign his package to get out of the Marine Corps after 20 years. Hmm. And I had actually always told myself that I would only do four years in the Marine Corps and then go to college. And that had sort of changed. And while I'm sitting there waiting, the Marine across from me who's getting ready to retire started asking why it is that I was there and what I was doing. And uh, he said, you know, knowing what I know now and, and the things that I've done in the Marine Corps for the last 20 years, he said, I don't know you, but I would say that if you have the opportunity to do something else outside of the Marine Corps, I would take advantage of that. And it was uh, it was really interesting because he told me that, and we, we talked about it obviously a little bit more. And I w- got up and I went inside, they called my name and to sign my reenlistment contract. And I said um, to the staff sergeant, you know, I've had a change of heart in you know, the last five minutes. And I've always had in my mind the idea that I would go to school and get my degree. And I no longer want to reenlist. So he was obviously very surprised. And he said, do you know that if you don't sign this paperwork and you sign other paperwork saying that you can't reenlist, that you would never be allowed to. So it was kind of a, a change of heart in the last moment. Um, so I exited the Marine Corps. And one week, one week later, I was a freshman in college at, at 22 years old, hanging around a bunch of 18-year-olds right out of high school. So that was a, a pretty interesting experience for me. Yeah, that must have been kind of shocking because you've you've deployed three times. You've been to fifteen different countries. What's it like to be around a bunch of eighteen-year-olds? Yeah, it was actually pretty funny because my first day of class, maybe it wasn't a week later, maybe it was two or three weeks later, but um, I sat down, and for me, it was really culture shock. So here I am, you know, a marine who's you know, I think pretty hardcore at the time, and this kid sits down next to me, and he's like, "What's up, dude?" <laughs> and I didn't know how to react. I'm like, dude. Um, so, for, yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, a, an interesting environment for me. So it took me a little while to get used to that, for sure. Well, and then you, you played lacrosse while you were there. You, you got your BS in finance. Um, and, yep. then, and then where did, where did your degree take you? Where did you go next? So I, I, um, I, I did get to play lacrosse, which was pretty cool. And... Um, I went through recruiting to, to, so I graduated undergrad in 2003, I'm trying to remember back that far, and uh, which means I went through recruiting in 2002, which is a very bad time for the economy. Um, a lot of the investment banks weren't hiring at the time. That was uh, just post 9-11 and, and another recession. So I interviewed, I think, at almost every investment bank on Wall Street. And I was very lucky to get the opportunity to go to Bear Stearns uh, and work in fixed income right out of undergrad. And that's where I wound up at their world headquarters in New York on Madison Avenue working in fixed income, which of all things um, was very surprising because I don't think I ever heard about a bond until I actually got to undergrad my entire life. (laughs) Yeah. If you would have told me when I was a kid that I'd be a bond guy or a fixed income guy, I would have I wouldn't even know what that meant. Yeah. Um, so. Well, you got a you got a pattern of, of going your own way because you're the you didn't really have a military history in your family either, right? Didn't you tell me earlier? Yeah. So uh, no military history in terms of uh, of my family. I was the first to do that. Um, we had we had some uh, uh, folks that were in the Navy, some other cousins, but no no Marines and no one in my immediate family. 
and then here you are becoming fixed income when you don't even really know the lingo of that. So you're yeah. You're, I mean, I just had a, had you know the, a basic knowledge of fixed income out of undergrad. So um, it was it was uh, an interesting thing for me for sure. And then you were at Bear Stearns uh, during the years with J.P. Morgan and that whole transition, right? I did. So I I um, was at Bear Stearns in 2008, working in fixed income, and uh, that was the year that we all know where the most recent financial crisis happened in March of 08. So I I lived through that, and I was on the front lines um, at the time, uh, trading fixed income and managing fixed income portfolios at Bear. So that was a very, very interesting experience for me. And I think a lot of what I experienced during that time started, started to really plant the seed in my mind about going back to school and getting my MBA, the experiences that I had then. What would you say, you know, I've, I've obviously forgotten your application essays. It's been a lot of years, but to take you people back. Just go read them? <laughs> I keep them in my I keep them in my computer bag and pull them out when I when I've had a bad day. <laughs> they were pretty good. I'd read them one more time if you could. Okay, very great. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so yeah, help people. I, so, I interrupted you. No, no, no. So you you just help people kind of you know I think it's always curious you know what you know why why I get my MBA why FEMBA help people understand because you you. You'd left Bear Stearns. You were at Merrill Lynch when you applied to Anderson, if I remember right. Is that right? Yeah, I did. So I, I, um, I was lucky. Again, I had a really good mentor at Bear um, who taught me a lot about the fixed income markets. Um, and he and I, he was, he was my boss, and he and I had the opportunity to interview at a lot of different um, banks, and we had offers, I think, at all of them. And we chose to go to Merrill Lynch together as a duo and um, I wound up at Merrill in, when was that? April of 2008. And then in September of 2008, Merrill got bought by Bank of America. So I went through sort of another kind of a crisis. And at that point, Wall Street has started to consolidate. So Lehman in September of 08 sort of disappeared. Countrywide disappeared. Wachovia disappeared. So there are a lot of banks consolidating. And what that means is that there's just left seats less seats on the street and when you have less seats you have unemployed people and I saw a lot of my good friends wound up wind up in situations where they didn't have a job and they were further in their career which even makes it more difficult so for me that was really eye-opening is if I were ever to lose a position or my seat whether it's on Wall Street or, or anywhere throughout my career what other skills would I have or what other network or what network could I rely on to keep me going until retirement? And that's kind of where I started to think maybe I should broaden out my expertise a little bit and think about getting an MBA and um, go a mile wide in terms of, of skills instead of a mile deep in finance. Well, why don't we, why don't we talk about your FEMBA your time in FEMBA for a bit, and then we'll we'll circle back to your current role at, at Dimensional. But why don't we kind of leave Merrill? So you know you're you're seeing the need to kind of put some career resiliency into your life, is how I would hear what you shared. Yep. And yep. and you you've had good mentorship. You've you've been riding the wave when a lot of people are losing their seat. Um, tell tell people yep. a little bit about your FEMBA experience. What what did you like? You know, talk about being FEMBA Council President. Any ASAM? Any because you were you were really involved while you were here. I did, so I had a really good experience there. 
I, um, I actually almost wound up going to school in the Northeast to get my MBA. And uh, so my family's all in the Northeast, and I thought school would be a really good opportunity to get back up there. And I wound up to visit some schools, and it wound up snowing two feet while I was there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It was like, talk about like, seren- I, I guess serendipity. It was like, if that didn't happen, who knows? Maybe I would have went somewhere in the Northeast where I originally wanted to go. So once that happened, I came back to, to, to California, and at the time, my, my girlfriend of three years was getting her law degree at, at, at UCLA. She's a double Bruin. She was in her third year of law school, and she said, maybe you should think about going to UCLA. I'm a double Bruin. And I had already known a lot of folks at Anderson just through the graduate housing. So it was a natural, it was kind of a natural like thing to go to at UCLA. And um, I kind of already knew a lot of the student body, and I really liked them a lot. What I really found about the Anderson students and the FEMBA students is that it's a really wide distribution of, of different folks there relative to other business schools, where in, in some of the other schools you may be a little bit more concentrated in investment bankers and finance and consulting, where at Anderson it was a, a larger distribution, so a lot of different skills coming together in one place. So once I, once I was lucky enough to get invited to the school by, by Dylan and his team, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I got I got accepted. I think it was December of the year before I was supposed to attend school, so it was really really early in the process. Okay. And um, it was first round, and I think you all let folks know even way earlier than you were supposed to. And as soon as that happened, I, I said, well, instead of waiting all the way until August or September, why don't I start getting folks together now, and we can start to get to know each other, you know. Um, seven or eight months in advance. And that's what I kind of started to do. As you were letting new people in, I was adding them to uh, our little group Facebook page and throwing events throughout South Southern California and really starting to build a family. And uh, that's how the momentum really started to get going there. Um, and I, I kind of became like the default person for uh, organizing a lot of events. And once that started to happen, uh, I kind of just naturally progressed in, into uh, doing that when I became a student there. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. You were doing sort of just some proactive social, you know, community building, even yeah. even during those the what we call the zero year, you know, the pre year before yeah. before the actual launch of the program. That's right. I'd forgotten right. that. That's right. So by the time we actually got to school, we already all knew each other very very well. We actually had already been to Vegas. I did a Vegas trip um, with with a many many folks. We went up there. I blocked off a bunch of uh, hotel rooms, and we, we had already we already had introductions and spent a lot of time with each other way before we got to actual school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yeah. and and I remember. I guess it was, I don't know if it was your first year or your second year, but I, I was I got satellited into that office over with the full time MBA team for a year, and you and I had all those like four o'clock in the afternoon brainstorming yeah. sessions. Yeah, and I, I loved I loved having your. It was like having a thought partner. It was really fun. We we did a lot of thinking that year. That um, I don't know if that was before or after we came up with Femba Palooza, but you know a lot of that yeah. was was getting created right about that time. Yeah, we had our own little think tank right there in your office and started to think about ways that we can improve the, the, 
the program and, and not that it really needed to be improved, but you could always make things better. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time, really, really good time there, thinking about things, and that's kind of when we started Ambassadors, and and, uh, and that whole thing came about. Um, yeah, and, and the Ambassador, you know, since Matt came on board a couple of years ago, and we've had really good leadership for the last couple of years, and we have much more structure to it now. It's it's more than yeah. just it's more than just hey, can you come and shake hands at the open house? We we've really got programming and. And you know, yeah, and Femba Palooza has doubled in size from you know 500 people to over a thousand, and yeah, it's it's yep. good stuff. Back then we were we were bootstrapping it. Yes, you know? <laughs> very marine, <laughs> very much, very much. And and now you were also so you were the president of the student council, you were president of Femba Council, you were also a VP of of the of ASAM, which is the Anderson Student yeah. Asset Management. Yeah, so I was a very busy person. Um, I um, and then on, on top of that, I actually was started to go to school full time. So, um, you know, be, being the student body president was was a for me was an honor because um, I was trusted with that position, and it, it's it's a it's a it's the real deal. So you know, you're responsible for the students, and you're sort of the one that has to step out and and make sure that they're getting everything that they need. And you also have to be the one to step in when they're not doing things that they're supposed to be doing. So uh, it's a very serious role, and as a part of that role, you get a lot of exposure to folks like Dylan and, and the dean. So uh, spent some good time with Judy. Also got to sit on the board of visitors while I was there, which comes with being part of that role. So very, very uh, good experience for me. I think some of the things that I learned during that role have helped me, or I shouldn't say I think I know a lot of the things that I learned during that time have helped me now in my career uh, when it comes to, to you know, being senior and having folks on my team and managing them. Um, so that was really interesting for me. And you, you covered a lot of ground there. So you you were able to, gra- you graduated two quarters early because you actually left Merrill and became, yep. you, you were basically taking full-time MBA course loads and you shortened your program by like six months, right? Yeah, that's right. I uh, it's interesting because I think about it now, and I don't know how I survived for two years <laughs> on no sleep. <laughs> I remember when I was in school, looking at the clock at midnight and saying, "Wow, I have another three hours of time. This is awesome." Oh my! Thinking like that was early. So uh, wow. Yeah, I I uh, I finished two quarters early. Uh, part of that was going full time, and the other part was taking advantage of the breaks so the the week in between quarters instead of hanging out around uh southern california i was taking classes and and taking international classes and traveling with our classmates so some of the countries i got to visit were uh germany paris uh chile and peru so um that was another experience that that um was probably one of my best experiences there at Anderson was traveling internationally and, and learning from really experts. So as an example, um, one of the classes I took was on luxury branding in Paris from one of the top business schools there on luxury branding. So those are some really good experiences for me. Um, oh, I love one other, Yeah, one other thing that, that was really cool that I got to do was um, – in 2011, when Greece was on the brink of default, I was studying in Germany at Mannheim, and I was with a professor 
who is a big economist, and he actually took us to the uh, ECB, to the European Central Bank, and we were there while the ECB was actually voting to bail out Greece. So that was a really cool experience as a finance guy and a, an Anderson uh, MBA candidate to be in the middle of all that as a student. Wow. Very experience. Yeah. Wow, and and then didn't you tell me you 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 found some time? Yeah, I really don't know when you slept, but weren't you a, you were a TA for Professor Sussman too? I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought I was done. So the funny thing is that I actually wound up presenting for GAP for my team, which is um, the Global Access Program, and uh, I don't know how I became the person to present the, the our master's thesis to the board, but. Um, we were going to vote as a team to who would present for us, and I wasn't on the ticket, and somehow I was voted as the person to present for our team. So when I presented for GAP, I thought I was done completely with my MBA and, and was going to go off and do other things, and I actually wound up getting a call to see if I was interested in being a uh, TA for Professor Sussman or teaching assistant. And for anyone who knows Professor Sussman, he is a rock star and one of the most popular um, business school professors, I'd say, probably in the country, right? He wins a lot of awards. Um, so that was one I couldn't turn down. So I got to be his professor, excuse me, his TA for the winter quarter of 2014, and that was an awesome experience. Yeah, he's, he's uh, Business Week. He's been a top 10 you know, business school professor nationwide by Business Week. Yeah, he's... Yeah. He's uh, he's an amazing person. Yeah, and the other really cool thing about that was, um, so I'm a, I'm a fixed income dude, and the <laughs> class was, uh, I think it was a secure uh, financial analysis for equities class. So I was the TA on a securities analysis, or financial statement analysis and equity valuation class, which huh? is completely out of my wheelhouse. That's right. You get to see some of the other side of the equation. Yeah, yeah. Well, now tell people. So tell people about Dimensional because that's that's where you ended up, and yeah. um, it's a pretty yeah. Dimensional's a huge you know friend of Anderson for a whole lot of reasons. So, but everybody may not know the backstory. Yeah, so I um, I actually really consider myself lucky when I came out of the school, being that I had all of those different roles, you know, as the student body president, CPA, Sam. Um, I had the opportunity to have a couple of different things going on and had some offers at a few different firms and one of them was Dimensional, which is where I am today and for anyone that doesn't know, Dimensional is a very academic firm. Uh, it was founded by a gentleman named David Booth, who's actually the named donor at the Chicago Booth School of Business, which is where I know you went, Dylan, and got your MBA. Yeah, so, we, uh, we weren't Booth yet. We were just the Chicago GSB way back when I was there. Yeah, um, that's right. So David made his donation in 2009, and uh, since then it's been the Chicago Booth School of Business. So um, Dimensional used to have their world headquarters in Santa Monica, which is relatively, oh, it's right down the block from UCLA, and uh, they have a really strong pipeline into Anderson for recruiting, and I was fortunate enough while I was there to have known some folks that went to Dimensional, and I'm also very familiar with the folks here at Dimensional because they have the who's who of finance and all the Nobel laureates 
who wrote all the textbooks that I was reading in school. So um, I got very lucky, got the opportunity to interview here and was successful and uh, made the move to Austin, Texas, which is uh, another interesting place. So, um, I forgot to tell you, Dylan, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I was going through GAP, I actually had to come to Austin, Texas and do some primary research. So I landed here on like a Wednesday and I think I flew out less than 18 hours later. And when I left here, I would say, I think I said to my partner, that I would never come back to Austin, Texas again for the rest of my life. Oh my God, how did you, how'd you have yeah. such a bad experience in only 18 hours? Because it was August and it was 115 degrees here. Oh yeah, yeah, that part. Oh yeah, I grew up in Texas, people, so I... Yeah, so, could you believe that? I said that and uh, I wound up moving here less than six months later. Wow. Well, before we start yeah. talking about how great Austin is, so... Like, you've had lunch with Eugene Fama, so let's do some name-dropping. Who are some of these, I mean... Yeah, we have the, we have everyone here. So we have uh, Eugene Fama, who most folks may not know, but he's a uh, Nobel laureate and uh, professor at the Chicago Food School of Business, um, Eugene Fama. Um, we have Gene Fama here. Well, he goes by Gene. Um, we also have Ken French. So for anyone who studies finance, the Fama French three-factor model, which was very groundbreaking in, in finance and disproved the CAPN model, they, they wrote that paper, and, and uh, Eugene actually got a Nobel laureate um, as part of that. We also have Robert Burton here uh, as part of the firm, another Nobel laureate, um, Mark Byron Scholes, who many may know through the Black & Scholes option pricing model, uh, who's another Nobel laureate. So it's really cool here. We, uh, we we eat lunch here together um, on the first floor in our cafeteria called The Exchange, <laughs> and it's not unusual to have these folks uh, relatively close to you, if not actually eating lunch with you. So uh, it's pretty cool. It's a very cool place. Very humbling. Um, I know when I got here, I thought it was pretty cool that I had an Anderson MBA, like newly minted, and then I found out everyone around me has PhDs and Nobel laureates. So... Um, that was an interesting uh, experience. Wow. And what was the thing you told me about? It's They have two prices for the same meal, depending on whether you take it back to your desk or whether you sit and eat in the common area? Yeah, we do. So one of the really cool things about our firm is, um, well, there, there are a lot of them, but one of them is um, they incentivize you to actually sit and eat your lunch for an hour. And if you take your lunch to your desk, you have to pay 25% more for it than you would if you actually ate it in the cafeteria with your coworkers and, and develop relationships. And um, So that's cool. You get to hang out and, and meet folks throughout other areas of the firm. Um, one of the things I really like about the firm is we have a lot of Anderson MBAs here. So we see each other and uh, we know each other from school. Uh, some really good friends of mine that I went to school with. And we get to meet up in the exchange and have lunch and that kind of stuff. So it's a really cool environment. Chicago is the big one, obviously, because of our ties there. And Anderson, of course. Um, we have a lot of Anderson MBAs. I heard, I don't know if it's still true, but we used to have the highest uh, amount of MBAs here per capita than any other school, uh, which is pretty cool. I do a lot of the interviewing for the firm for the MBAs, and uh, um, I can tell you that... Um, the Anderson ones and the Booth ones really stand out a lot, and, and uh, 
you can tell that they are they are going to very first class institutions. As, um, well, that's that's what we want to hear. I love that. Well, we're kind of coming to the end of our of our time. So on a little bit of a lighter note, you know, Austin is a pretty cool place. So uh, give us a little. Um, anthropology you know a little uh, explore in a new country what's what's it like being in austin i see some of your pictures on facebook looks like it's a pretty fun place to be so austin's pretty cool i think so i grew up in new york and uh i spent 13 years in in, in cali so i'm always like a big city kind of a guy and i think when i hit about three months here i felt really claustrophobic and and felt like the city was small and i just realized that's because i don't really have a whole lot of things outside of hanging out at bars <laughs> <laughs> Got to diversify your life. So I've uh, I've uh, opened up my my uh, repertoire to things like mountain biking and road biking and, and more outdoor activities. So the city is really cool for that. And now I really love it here, um, and uh, I don't have any intention in leaving. In fact, today I, I was mentioning to you earlier is the first day of Austin City Limits. The Austin City Limits or ACL Festival. So we have thousands of folks pouring in from all over the country to be here this weekend and next weekend for the two three-day weekend festival. So it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, and ACL is different than South by Southwest, right? Yeah, ACL is uh, it's in Zilker Park, and it's a gigantic park with really big stages, and you have some really good headliners there. So this year, the big one's going to be Radiohead and um, Major Lazer and, and some, some uh, other bands that maybe the uh, millennials may know more than I do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really cool festival. So I'm looking forward to that. In fact, next week, I took off Friday and Monday, and I'm going to be there with a bunch of Anderson MBAs hanging out, um, doing our thing. Oh, that's great. That's great. So that keeping that network going down there. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. and then you've been following the Bruins this year. You've been, I've been seeing you post popping up at all the big stadiums, right? I have been. One of the really cool things that we do my my year is a group of us get together and we do one road game uh, from my friends from my, my graduating year. So this year we wound up going up to A&M, which is uh, where I know you went to undergrad, and uh, watched UCLA lose that game, but it was a really fun time because I hosted everyone at my place, and it was Labor Day weekend, so we went up and then came back to my place for the, for the Monday off, so it was a really good time. Well, yeah, because that one's a home and away. Yeah, so, you know, so the Aggies come to the Rose Bowl next year, so I'm trying to get my college buddies organized for the, to the, do the reverse thing, get a Labor Day weekend of a bunch of my, my college friends. But I don't know if we, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Um, we um, just going back to Austin again, we have enough critical mass here in terms of Anderson MBAs that we just um, formed the first, alumni chapter uh, here in Austin, Texas. So we're, we're organized and we're real and uh, it's going to be really good for the school and all the alums that are out here. Oh, that's great. Well, with, yeah. with, with Femba Flex, you know, we've got people commuting from um, Plano. We've got people commuting from Houston. So we need to get some, you know, we need to get some, uh, some more, awesome. some more Fembas. You know, we need to steal some talent out of the great state of Texas there. Yeah, you do for sure. We have uh, we have a lot of really smart people here in, in Austin, Texas. It's uh, it's a cool place. So the Femberflex thing would be really good for them because they get to live here and, and still be in a really cool city, and they get uh, a really good MBA 
building is, um, you know, being on the board of directors now, I get to come back and do that meeting um, and get to, to link up with a lot of folks during that as well. So it's, it's a lot of fun for me. Well, um, that's all the questions I had. Any any parting thoughts you want to leave people with or any anything else as we start to wrap up? And with our three pillars of, of think fearlessly, share success, and drive change, you know, I, I love these podcasts because it's a, it's a deep dive with, with an individual uh, who, who has, you know, something noteworthy about themselves that might be inspiring or, or catalyzing for somebody else. So for me, you know, for you, you know, I loved working with you while you were here in school. Uh, you know, I respect your status as a veteran, your service to our country. You know, you were, you were a leader in the student body. You know, class 2014, you guys were a big, fun year. And, you know, and we created some things with, with getting Femba Palooza launched and formalizing Fembassador. So to me, like whoever's listening to this podcast, you know, Anderson's one, in my, in my observation, the more you put into Anderson, the more you take out of it. And there's so much going on here that it's, it's more than fits in a brochure. It's more than fits on the website. So I, I want these podcasts, anybody who's willing to listen to this on their drive or take us on the treadmill at the gym, you know, I just want them to hear some behind the scenes exemplars of, of what makes Anderson great such that their Anderson experience can be that much better. Yeah, it's, it's a, um, so you know, maybe, um, well, I guess what I'll say is if, if you're listening and you are a current student and if you're listening and you're a prospect, it doesn't really matter uh, where you, which one you are. I, I guess one of the things that I would always say, and you just mentioned it, you get out of it what you put into it. My advice would be if, if you're an MBA candidate, whether it's at Anderson or somewhere else, obviously we hope it's at Anderson, but you should use that time to, to really focus on things that are what I would say are your weaknesses or, or things that you're most uncomfortable with. Um, if you're walking around campus and you're on your way to class and you kind of just feel like everything's really going great and you've done everything you're supposed to do and you don't have any anxiety, you're probably not trying hard enough or you're probably not <laughs> doing the things that you probably need to be working on. I can tell you that um, I was sort of, may have looked comfortable on the surface, but under the water I was paddling really fast when I was there. And that's because I was taking on things that really made me feel uncomfortable. Um, an example could be, you know, speaking in front of large groups of people. You know, as the student body president, that was something I had to do and it made me nervous. And we talked about it earlier where I, I kind of really extended myself into a lot of different things and that's because I wanted the experience from those things because I knew that they would help me when I left business school. So that would be my advice. And I heard you say like a few years ago, Dylan, you know, you're buying a Ferrari, don't take it to get milk, take it out for a ride. And that's, that's what you really should be doing in B school, whether or not, whether it's Anderson or somewhere else is, is living in that area where you're really the most uncomfortable and developing those skills. Oh yeah, thanks for remembering that. Yeah, we have an open house tomorrow, so maybe I'll maybe I'll use the old Ferrari metaphor. <laughs> I wish I could come. That was the first time I actually met you was at an open house um, when I was exploring this whole thing. Oh, that's uh, fun. And and uh, you know we are really lucky to have you, Dylan. I don't know if, if we could ever say that enough because I kind of always whenever I think of Anderson, you're like one of the first things I think of. Um, you make that place enjoyable for everyone. And I know that there's a lot that goes into creating that student body, and you're a huge part of that, that success to, to creating a really 
uh, rounded out class because it's not all just about GMATs and GPAs. It's really about personalities and how people fit. And I think that a lot of that um, is due to you and, and the things that you do for the school. So thank you, Dylan. Oh, well, I appreciate the acknowledgement very much. Well, I, I think we should end the podcast. I don't think it'd get much better than that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Friday at 5 p.m. in Austin, Texas, so I'm out of here. That's right. you got good stuff to do. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week with another interesting, wonderful leader person from our, from our great community here at UCLA Anderson. So thank you for your time and hope you enjoyed this interview with Doug Longo, FEMBA 2014. Look him up on LinkedIn. And uh, we'll be 